Friends, a very warm welcome to, to you all this evening. It's a joy to be with you again uh, this evening after being here this morning. Um, if you weren't here this morning, my name's Rory Stott. I'm the minister in Fort Rose Free Church. Um, it's a real privilege to just open up God's Word, to worship with you. And uh, I'm going to read just a few verses from Psalm 23 before we sing. Um, the last few verses of Psalm 23 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to praise God by singing in Psalm 146, Psalm 146, uh, verses 1 to 6, and sing Psalms, Psalm 146, 1 to 6. Praise the Lord, my soul, O praise him. I'll extol him all my days. While I live to God my Saviour, from my heart I will sing praise. Do not put your trust in princes, mortal men who cannot save. All their plans will come to nothing when they perish in the, in the grave. Let's uh, stand to sing to God's praise. Let's bow our heads and pray. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come into your presence. 
to worship you, to um, to seek your face. You are the one who created all things. You are the one who transcends all time and space. And it's to you that we look to this evening to worship and to sing praises. The triune God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the one who is eternal, uh, the one who is full of glory. The angels uh, cannot stop worshipping you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Earth is full of your glory. And and John said, uh, worthy is the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. We thank you, dear Father, that you are the God uh, who... Uh, is gracious and merciful Uh, you are the one who is both merciful and just we thank you Lord God for your son the Lord Jesus Christ who came to uh, die on the cross in our stead the one who came to live the life that we cannot live uh, and to die the death that we deserve to die we thank you that in him we have hope And we thank you for your promises. We thank you that you have promised uh, your people that you will never leave them nor forsake them. Thank you for the words of Jesus who invites us into his presence by saying, uh, if anyone is weary and heavy laden, uh, come to me and I will give you rest. Uh, And so Lord Jesus, we, we bless you this evening and we thank you. We thank you, dear Father, for the opportunity to work to worship you, to to take time out of uh, our our busy lives, out of uh, coming out of the world as it were, in, as it were, into your presence, to worship you, to listen to you, and we pray this evening that you might give us receptive hearts. We pray, uh, indeed, Holy Spirit, that you uh, would speak to us, that your word would be made alive for us, and that you would speak to us. We do not seek to hear the wisdom of man, but we seek to hear uh, the wisdom of God. And so would you uh, bless our time together this evening. Heavenly Father, we pray for each one gathered here tonight. We pray that you would meet us according to our needs, not because we deserve this, but by your grace and through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So would you speak to us this evening, we pray. And we ask it in his precious name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to sing again uh, now in Psalm 19 uh, in the Psalter. Psalm 19, singing verses 1 to 6. The heavens declare, the heavens God's glory do declare, the skies his hand works preach. Let's stand to sing.
Friends, I'm going to read in, in the Bible um, in Revelation and 20, chapter 22. We'll go with the book of Revelation and chapter 22. This is the word of God. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the, uh, of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they, may, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life for without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Amen. Friends, I just this point I'm just going to uh, pray again so we'll just bow our heads again and pray <coughs> Heavenly Father as we uh, look around the world and we hear of 
um, what's happening around the world. We just bring some of these situations before you. We remember the people of Morocco at this time who have been devastated by um, an earthquake. Um, just uh, it's so it would seem out of nowhere, just utter despair and destruction and hardship and, and grief. And Lord, we we cannot imagine what so many people are going through and so many having lost loved ones, so many having lost their livelihoods, so many uh, having lost their properties. And Lord, we just bring that uh, situation of destruction before you and we we thank you that you are the sovereign God who is all wise and all knowing and all compassionate. And we simply lift, Lord, this, this situation before you, Lord, and we admit to you how difficult we find it to pray for situations such as this. What to pray for, how to pray. And yet we trust that you are the God who knows all things, the God who is wise. And so we lift that brokenness before you and pray, O oh Lord, for your intervention. We pray for the authorities. We pray for government leaders, the politicians that have to make decisions. We pray for those who are seeking to bring relief and aid to the situation. We pray for wisdom, for leadership. We pray that uh, you would be uh, at work, uh, Lord, in the centre of that situation. And we remember as well the people of Greece having seen on our TV screens the flooding having taken place there after the heat. And, O oh Lord, again, we, we lift that situation before you. Lord, we pray for our own nation. We, we pray for uh, the politicians that are making decisions on our behalf. We pray that you would guide them and lead them and grant, and grant them wisdom from on high. Heavenly Father, we pray for uh, the free church. And we thank you, Lord God, for this denomination, a small part of your vineyard. And yet we pray, Lord God, that you would be pleased to um, to provide, to uh, um, to uh, to use your people, to use your congregations. We pray for this particular congregation, Lord. We thank you for your people here, uh, Lord God. We pray for them. We pray for the leadership in this congregation. We pray again, Lord God, that you would grant wisdom, that you would guide, and that you would lead. Be with those who open up your word here Sunday by Sunday. Lord God, may you speak to your people through them. May your spirit be powerfully at work. And we pray, Lord God, for the local community. We pray for local community leaders. We pray for those who serve in, 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 in different spheres. We pray for the local schools. Lord God, we bring these people before you. May you... Uh, be with us this evening, Heavenly Father. May you prepare us for the week ahead. You know uh, what is to come in our lives tomorrow and the next day and throughout this week. Uh, you know, uh, Lord God, those who are perhaps, perhaps anxious about situations in their own lives, perhaps anxious about meetings coming up, uh, perhaps concerned about their own health or the health of, of, of loved ones. Lord God, we come as those who are needy. We come as those who 
um, do, not, do not have it all together. We come as those who are imperfect. But we come uh, into the presence of a holy God, a God who is perfect, a God who is powerful, a God who delights in his people uh, coming into his presence to worship him and speaking to him. And Lord God, as we do that, we pray that by your spirit that you would speak to us this evening. And we ask this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Sing again now in Psalm number 16. Psalm 16, verses 6 to 11. The land allotted me is in a pleasant sight, and surely my inheritance to me is a delight. We're going to stand and sing to God's praise.
Friends, let's, uh, if you would like to turn with me uh, in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. And uh, I'm just going to read um, from towards the end of Revelation 21. Uh, from verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the land through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, etc. This evening, we're going to ask the question, what is heaven? Uh, what is what is heaven? What is heaven uh, all about? And, and perhaps a, a follow-on question would be: uh, How do I live my life today in relation to what we know about heaven? How do I live my life today in relation to what we know about heaven? Well, uh, perhaps you've heard of the song by Belinda Carlisle, Heaven is a Place on Earth. And uh, that's uh, probably a view that would be shared by, by many people today. Uh, heaven is your sort of highest attainment uh, of, of this life. And so uh, there is nothing better than what we have in this life. And uh, heaven is a place on earth. It's your, it's your greatest joy here and of course that's exactly what Satan would have us believe. A guy by the name of Friedrich Nietzsche, who was the guy who famously said God is dead, he also said this, he said, There is no heaven, there is no transcendence, there is nothing higher to aim for. And so many people today would believe that. The world would say that, well, talk about heaven, talking about a place, that we might go to after death is all pie in the sky. J.R.R. Tolkien said, We all long for Eden and we are constantly glimpsing it. Our whole nature at its best and least corrupted, its gentlest and most human, is still soaked with a sense of exile. And the Bible would say that there is something in every single human being that at least suggests that there is something beyond. The teacher in Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes 3, says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. 
And so, and then you get the believer. You get the person. Uh, many people, perhaps, who, 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 are, who, are, who are believers, they, they go to church and who perhaps struggle with um, a sense of surety and assurance, and perhaps some in their weakness and their frailty and their old age would 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 begin to struggle with the idea of whether they're going to heaven and 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 whether it is real. Well, in a place called Valladolid, Spain, where Christopher, Christopher Columbus died in 1506, stands a monument commemorating the great discoverer. Perhaps the most interesting feature of the memorial is a statue of a lion destroying one of the Latin words that had been part of Spain's motto for centuries. Before Columbus made his voyages, the Spaniards thought they had reached the outer limits of Earth. Thus their motto was ne plus ultra, which means no more beyond. The word being torn away by the lion is ne or no, making it read plus ultra. Columbus had proven that there was indeed more beyond. And of course there are Various passages in the Bible that reference heaven in a way that leaves us beyond doubt that there is a place far better to come for believers. As Peter says in his first letter, 1 Peter 1 verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And when we think about heaven, we need perspective. Because Jesus, and the words of Jesus, gives us perspective in his teaching. And the perspective is this. Caution is needed. When we think about heaven, the perspective is this. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. And isn't that fascinating? He spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. And that has to at least cause us to pause and to think, doesn't it? And yet, heaven is real. And yet the Bible's emphasis uh, for us in our lives here is being reconciled to God in Christ while there is still time. Being faithful in the present because we're not told too much about heaven. It's really, really interesting that there is a lot that we do not know about heaven. Uh, a Reformed theologian uh, uh, called Wearsby says that certainly many interesting questions could be asked about our future abode in heaven but most must go unanswered until we reach our glorious home 
It is only once we're there that we will really, really know so much more about it. J.I. Packer says, we know very little about heaven. And that great pastor, Richard Baxter, said, my knowledge of that life, talking about heaven, is small. And yet that mustn't stop us from studying what we do know about it. It's a little bit like this. Uh, Think about being promised a lavish, exciting, luxury holiday and not knowing anything about the destination. Uh, And what do we do when we're going to a place that we're not really sure about? We get the brochures out. We start Googling. And we find out more about the place, don't we? Uh, And we think about our own interests and we we think, now, am I going to be doing that when when I get there? Will I be able to run? Will I be able to cycle? Will Will I be able to do all my hobbies or whatever it is? Is there a pool, whatever it is? We buy the brochures. We do. We, we do the searching. And although the holiday may be some time away in our darker moments, more stressful moments, more helpless moments, perhaps we're going to catch sight of that brochure on the coffee table. We're going to catch sight of it, and we're going to be reminded that there is something far better to come. We long for that holiday. We we remember that holiday. We're reminded of this place where we're going to be able to relax, we're going to be able to enjoy, and we're reminded of where we are going. And perhaps all our worries and our stresses will be forgotten about. What is heaven? We're going to notice three things. Heaven, first of all, is paradise restored. Paradise restored. And verses 1 to 3 symbolizes paradise of, of Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. And also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Symbolizes paradise. Notice that the river proceeds out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Our salvation was brought about by the sovereign will of God and was merited for us by the redemptive blood of Christ. And we see there that God will be the source of all beauty and joy. He will be the source of all beauty and joy. Isaiah reminds us one of his promises in Isaiah 18. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. No more weeping. No more crying. And it talks there about the tree of life. And, and it's actually, it's, it's actually the, the grammar here is the collective. It's more like a, a park alongside the river. And it's many rivers of life and many parks with trees of life 
full of fruit. And one person put it like this, taken together all these items symbolize the super abundant character of our salvation, an absolutely full measure of most blessed and ever abiding communion with God for all the inhabitants of the holy city. We're reading here and we're hearing here about abundance. And the source of that abundance is God himself. Reminded of the epic poem Paradise Lost by John Milton. Telling the biblical tale of the fall of mankind. The moment when Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan to eat the forbidden fruit from the tree of, li- tree of knowledge. And God banished them from the Garden of Eden forever. And of course... The Bible tells us that all things will be restored in Christ. But these verses remind us of of the paradise of Eden, that that perfect relationship that God had with Adam and Eve, the, 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 the beauty, the glory, the perfection, the joy. And we know that in Eden man was prohibited from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and prevented from eating from the tree of life. But in the eternal home man will have access to the tree of life. The river and the tree symbolize abundant life in the glorious city. One of the most fascinating, interesting texts on heaven was by a name a guy by the name of Cyprian of Carthage in the 3rd century and he wrote what is called uh, the treatise a treatise on morality and Cyprian reflected on the fragility of human life and how the hope of heaven gave stability and hope in the face of uncertainties And we need to remind ourselves of the time when Cyprian lived. Much of the Roman Empire, including the cities of Rome and Carthage, were were affected by disease, probably smallpox. People were dying left, right and centre, if you like, leading to large death tolls. And Cyprian writes this, he says, We should always consider, dearly beloved brothers and sisters, that we have renounced the world and are in the meantime living here as guests and strangers. Let us greet the day which sees each of us return to our own homes, which snatches us from here and sets us free from the snares of the world and restores us to paradise and the kingdom. Which of us, when placed in foreign lands, does not want to hurry back to our own country? Who that is eager to return to his friends would not earnestly desire a prosperous gale so that he might the sooner embrace those dear to him? We regard paradise as our native land. We have already begun to consider the patriarchs patriarchs as our parents. Why do we not hasten and run so that we may catch sight of our native land and greet our parents? There a great number of our dear ones await us and a thick crowd of parents, brothers, children is longing for us, already assured of their own safety and still anxious for our salvation to attain to their presence and their embrace. What a joy both for them and for us. There is a a sense of the longing 
for home. I was at boarding school in South Africa and I used to get so homesick. Really, really longed for home. And then when I did get home, I would start worrying about having to go back to boarding school. But I wonder this evening, for some of us, is there a longing for home? Is there a longing for paradise? And I'm sure that there are. With the trials that so many of us face, the difficulties that we have in our lives. And so we... We see that paradise is restored, but then we notice that heaven is the promised land. Heaven is the promised land where we see there that rivers and trees and fruit, uh, there is this abundance of, of all these things. What does it remind us of in the Bible? It reminds us of Israel and the promises that Israel are given, isn't it? Israel are promised a, a land of abundance, an abundance of provision. They were, they spoiled everything by sin and rebellion and they went into exile. But in Revelation we are promised in heaven a better land flowing with milk and honey. Remember the passage where God says to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him to release my people. And Moses says, Moses says who, who must I say sent me? And God says, I am who I am, I am sent you. And in Exodus 3.17 he says, And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And Isaiah again in chapter 25 says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. A banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. Heaven from all the earth. End of quote. Paradise restore, uh, uh, the, the promised land. Heaven is the promised land. And when we think about it, heaven will be a physical place. Uh, think of our greatest uh, pure joys and our experiences in this life. Those things that we really enjoy in this life, well, we will experience them in heaven, but to a far greater degree. Everything will be new, including our bodies. And so we've seen paradise restored and we've seen heaven as the promised land and we notice lastly and thirdly heaven has the presence of Jesus. Verse 3 and 4 No longer will there, be, will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and the servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. <coughs> And his will is their desire. The Lord's will is their desire. I wonder if you, like me, we pray something like, Lord, your will be done. And my, my will be your will. 
May my will be, be what your will is, that I might work with you and not against you. Here in heaven, his will is their desire. And they see his face. They, they enjoy his favor. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And John tells us, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We will be with Jesus. And we see there that they will worship him. His name is on their foreheads because he openly acknowledges them as his very own and they joyfully confess him as their Lord. Jonathan Edwards, talking about heaven, he says this, about Christ being in heaven. He says the external heaven surrounds Christ not merely as a house surrounds a prince or as stones and timber encompass a land, but rather as plants and flowers are before the sun, that their life and beauty and being from the luminary or as the sun may be encompassed round with reflections of his brightness as the cloud of glory in Mount Sinai surrounded Christ there. What have we seen what is heaven? We've seen that heaven is paradise restored. We've seen that heaven is the promised land. Do you long for home? And we've seen that heaven has the presence of Jesus. Let me finish off with the words of Richard Baxter, that famous pastor, who asks a a really, really important question. He asks, how often do we think about heaven? How often do you think about heaven? He says this, go away into a private place at a convenient time and put aside other distractions. Look up towards heaven. Remember that your everlasting rest is there. Meditate on its wonder and reality. Rise from sense to faith by comparing heavenly with earthly joys until you are transformed from a forgetful sinner and a lover of the world to an ardent lover of God. Meditate on heaven until you are changed from a fearful coward to a resolved Christian. Meditate until your unfruitful sadness is turned to joy. Meditate until your heart is weaned away from earth to heaven, until you are taken up with the delight of walking with God. You will be as one who stands on the top of a high mountain, looking down on the world below. Fields, woods, cities and towns will seem like little spots. In fact, that is how insignificant all earthly things will now appear. The most powerful rulers will seem as grasshoppers. The busy, contentious, coveted, covetous world will be like a heap of ants. You will not fear the threats of men. You will not be attracted by the honors of the world. Temptations will lose their strong appeal. Afflictions will seem less grievous. Every mercy will be more greatly appreciated and by God's grace 
It is for you to choose whether you live this blessed life or not. And the more we do this, the more effective we will be in this life. You think about it. If we have that greater vision of what is to come, God has allowed us to to look over the horizon, as, as it were, to what is to come. And what is to come for the Christian is glorious, is beautiful, is joyful. It's far greater than anything that we know in this life. C.S. Lewis put it like this in Mere Christianity. He says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. What is it? How is it that we think of the world to come? It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, he says, that they have become so ineffective in this. I wonder, are we those who meditate on the promises of God, who think about the wonderful promise of heaven? And if we are, perhaps we will, we will begin to serve God and be instruments in his wonderful hands and make a difference to so many people's lives I find that really really encouraging and I find it challenging as well let's think more of heaven let's pray Father God we thank you for your promises we thank you for what you tell us of the life to come Lord we we feel challenged because we don't think enough about your promises about heaven Lord help us by your spirit to do that we pray continue with us we ask we ask it in Jesus and for his sake Amen and Psalm 23 is uh, I read the beginning of the service the the beginning the the, the end of Psalm 23 and it, um, it talks about heaven in a sense but let's sing these words together the Lord's my shepherd I'll not want. He makes me down to lie. In pastures green he leadeth me. The quiet waters by. Let's stand to sing.
whom who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Saviour through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever.